Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. The eagle has landed. I'm just going to debunk all of these as I go along, basically, because this is all a load, load of old shite. How's that for your G's, Mr. Rollercoaster Addict? Hello and welcome to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. We're grateful to have you with us. My name's Beef and I'll be hosting this episode. With me as always, my two best friends and co-hosts. Say hello, Mr. Bob Shoy. Hello. And say hello, Mr. Adam Tissenton. Yo, yo. I like uh, how long your intros are getting, Beef. Yeah, I'm starting to get... It is long, isn't it? Is, is it, it is. too long? <laughs> I enjoy it. I like to say every time... I keep thinking you're going to finish and then you go on. Yeah, there's, I'll, I'll try and cap it at that, though. I might make it like... Not a catchphrase, just the same thing. A gimmick. Every time. Yeah, kind of, but a nice it's your, gimmick. It's your gimmick, yeah. Tiss's gimmick is that he can't actually do the intros. Yeah, Tiss goes... <laughs> just these it's not there. a gimmick if they never find out apart from now <laughs> I'll keep it a mystery I'll delete this but. I was going to say you haven't at no point you, have you said have you like Tiss can't no, no. Tiss is terrible at the intros it's because I do my intro that they hear the one that I do right it's because it's the only part that's not it's not scripted but it, it you're has conscious to be, yeah, it's the you're opening presenting. Of the episode, and it's, um, yeah, it's got to be right. So, um, yeah, it's good to be recording again with you boys. Yeah, man. We were just saying it's been a few weeks, um, and... Uh, Not for the, that, well, it's been a few weeks for the well, listeners since they heard you. Yeah, uh, yeah, I that's managed true. to squeeze something out, so they had, had a little something to keep them busy. Yeah. yeah, thanks to Bob and Becca, we had a little trip to York. Yeah, it was a horrible day. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. It was well, it really turned, wet and really busy. Yeah. And <laughs> um, when I went to York, it was really wet and really windy and horrible. It was so wet. It was like the rainiest fucking day. Like, you know when you get out of the car and you're out for like two minutes and you're already soaked through, like all like down to your pants, just soaked through. <laughs> yeah. That was like within five minutes of leaving the car, like walking into the city. I was like, this this day's fucked. Yeah. And then I'm in a really shitty mood. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, we, uh, Rachel and I um, went camping, as I was just saying to you guys, and the day we arrived, it was raining. But it was like, you know, when you get onto the shore by the sea and you get that sea mist, so it's not really rain, but it's just like constant wet. Mm-hmm. It was like that. Walking, walking through um, water. And at the end of the day, I, I took my clothes off to get into bed and I just like, plopped my pants off and they were so <laughs> every every part of me was so wet um it was it was not a very nice day did you lay on the bed so. with your legs in the air and get rachel to talk you before you went to sleep <laughs> no <laughs> not after the last time what an talc. image right Beef, what have we got i'm excited to hear what we've got um so i had to look through our back catalogue three times uh, this morning, and um, because I was convinced that we've we've done this before, uh, but I checked every single episode, and not I didn't listen to every single one. That would have been hours and hours and hours. Um, but no, just by looking at the titles, I feel like it's it's something we've we've kind of danced around this subject. We've talked mm-hmm. about it a bit, but we've it's not. not um, it's not you um, on the bike water rapids, nearly drowning, is it? <laughs> no. No, check out Near Death Experiences for that one, episode nine. <laughs> and and uh, like two others. And a couple of others. Um, <laughs> no, this is about uh, my stories about Mozambique. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, so this is, like I say, something which we've we've not covered. We've, we've talked about it a little bit. Um, but since we've recorded the three of us it has been the 50th anniversary of the moon landing oh so tonight we're going to look at the moon landing so not just the we're going to look at the conspiracies as well um but this is a real controversial topic right now yeah it's yeah it's really controversial people are getting really pissed off with people spouting conspiracy theories to do the moon landing on twitter yeah Mainly because it's yeah, it's everywhere. We're going to get in hot um, water here. Just just looking today, there are threads and threads of people that are. There's lots of people who are still banging on about the conspiracies, um, and lots of lots of scientists have got on board to kind of come up against that. Um, but I think it's because we've, you know, people have gone over this a lot, haven't they? Except us, we've not gone over it properly yet. No, I've, um, I know Tiss nearly done this episode once, and I've nearly done this episode. So I'm glad that one of us is finally tackling this topic. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed right. Um, and uh, it's, uh, there was a video that came up on my Twitter feed a few days ago about this subject. And so it's kind of been in my mind. Um, and I've seen a lot of footage and a lot of things over the last couple of days. Um, but we're not just going to talk about conspiracy, because actually, I think just talking about the Apollo 11 mission in itself is actually unbelievable. Some of it is mental. Yeah. When you actually consider the effort that it takes to to just leave Earth's orbit, it Especially is Especially with the tech insane. at the time. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, it's not as if it's a whole lot easier now, but we've, we've got the technology to be able to make it uh, a little bit more... We could do it if we wanted to, we just don't want to. That's us now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Then it was like, we don't have the technology, but we're somehow going to fly there on a calculator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
It's like when you've done that one massive ride at a theme park. You're like, no, I've done it. Once you've done it once, you don't need to do it again. I don't need to do them ever. No, Tiss knows all about that, though. What, rides? Yeah, there's a couple of rides you like. No, I've done it. Don't need to do it again. Yeah. Hell like, yeah. Like I mean, Oblivion. Like every ride Do you ride still like now. roller coasters, Tiss? No, that's the exact reason why I went on them too much. Really? Oh, you right. just overdid it? I just, yeah. And then those people got their legs chopped off uh, at Alton oh. Towers. For <laughs> listeners who are unaware, which will be all of them, I imagine, so we've talked about it, uh, Tiss went for a, a brief period in his life where he got addicted to roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> just to prove that you can get addicted to anything, <laughs> Tiss, Tiss got addicted to roller coasters for one wild summer. It was great. Every time you uh, called him or text him, he was at a theme park. <laughs> it's pretty much every weekend for Real about three months. times, so like there'd be no queues as twitching, well. Twitching in the queues to get on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Life's was that crazy. before or after Mexican food <laughs> that was oh. after that after that that was after his Mexican food addiction <laughs> every night Tess are you coming out I'm at Jimmy Changas <laughs> Jimmy Changas but anyway oh, Mexican food was great everyone got addicted to Mexican food at that point not just me well, I don't know right let's carry, let's carry on yeah, so like I say, it's been the 50th anniversary um, since the Apollo Apollo 11 mission in July 1969. Well, hey. Yeah, I know, right? That's that's pretty pretty crazy. In the s- summer of 69. Out, outro music this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that song, but that's fine. I, hate, I really hate that song. Yeah, so do I. Um, I, I don't really like... Anyway, let's not get into that. Um, yeah, no, no, no. So, although the Russians have been um, sending uh, aircraft, uh, spacecrafts into space to get to the moon before that, I think it was 1959, the Soviets started uh, doing it. They never actually got a man on the moon. Uh, so, well done to the Americans. you done it first. Russians got the first man in space, though, didn't they? Well, they did, but, you know. Yuri, Yuri Gagarin. That's it. But they didn't get him on the moon, though, did they? No. Um, Space you know, race, wasn't it? So, fair play. The Americans nailed it. Or did Yuri they? Yuri got up, and then the Americans shat the bed, and were like, we need to beat him to the moon. Yeah. But like you say... They're like, oh, these, uh, these Soviets mean business. That was when they realised the Russians actually... I think we all knew before then the Russians uh, mean it. So... <laughs> they got they got a man into space, so that was that was fantastic. But uh, yeah, so in 1969, Neil Armstrong, uh, Buzz Aldrin, and the other guy, the other guy, who's <laughs> this is terrible. His name's not even written on my notes. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, so babe, bad. I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. I've got the names of guys that landed after Apollo 11, but I haven't got the the third guy. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Imagine if you were the third guy. I've got to find it out because this isn't good enough. I'm really sorry. Did he actually step on the moon, though? Didn't he have to stay in the craft? Um, I'm pretty sure he got there still. Though, oh, didn't right. He? Okay. I think he, this is my, um, my knowledge is bad here. I was like, because I always wondered, like, was did the third guy go up with him and he didn't actually get to leave the spaceship? Wouldn't that be a bit shit? Oh, uh, Michael Collins. Right. 
uh, they were on Apollo 11. You'd have to go there, wouldn't you? Although, apparently, so they landed. How how long after they landed on the moon do you think they got out and started walking on the moon? Mm, hour. Tiss, what do you think? I reckon they had to wait nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> Has he ruined it? Tiss is, Tiss is closer. It was it was about eight and a half hours. Oh! Wow, Tiss! Yeah. Do you know what? It's like when Bob got stuck on that plane in Tokyo, and that happened on Earth. So you think <laughs> yeah. in space, there's stuck all on sorts the of red tape about getting out of the spaceship and shit. Health and safety, yeah. risk assessments to write up. Nine hours is, uh, yeah. It's a long time though, isn't it? <laughs> it's a fucking but, long uh, time. <laughs> do you mean they were just waiting by the door like, come on. <laughs> cramp, just Let's cramp setting in. But it took, yeah, it took eight hours for them to get suited and get the tests all ready and make sure the moon wasn't going to go anywhere. And I don't know. I don't know what they were doing for so long. Although this is, this is kind of sad. So I'm on NASA.gov, I'm on the NASA official website. And <laughs> it's sad even reading it. It's sad just to read it. It what? says, uh, Apollo 11 blasted off July 16th, 1969, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> blasted off. Um, uh, Edwin Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins were the astronauts on Apollo 11. Four days later, Armstrong and Aldrin landed on the moon. They landed on the moon in the lunar module. It was called the Eagle. Collins stayed in orbit around the moon. He did experiments and took photos. Yeah, I didn't think he actually went on it. That's so sad, Because they needed someone to stay up, stay behind. That's why no one remembers him. Yeah, that's I mean, really bad. I, I feel bad. I want, I, when I say no one remembers him, I'm not doing it to be like rude. No. But people don't. Massive well, respect to be that guy, to be I know. Collins. To do the experiment, it's a big responsibility hmm. just to stay in orbit and sort of just make sure that he was probably keeping them alive, I guess, yeah, as well, like keeping right. in contact right, with guys, them. guys, I'll wait in the car. Oh, if we were going to go to the moon, which oh, one would stay the on the... Yeah, which one would stay on the in orbit? You me, you, or Tiss? Me. You know it'd be me. It'd be you, yeah. Yeah, you're like you know the answer before you even said it. <laughs> I just shit, just I like, chicken out at the last minute. Me and Tiss are like, hold our bags, we'll be back in a week. <laughs> Going to the dark we need to side take of you to a theme park as well. Four days to get to the moon. I actually thought it was longer. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? It's not too bad. It's four hundred thousand miles to get to the moon. Hmm. It's not the uh, it's not the few months that it would have taken to get to Mars and a yeah. <laughs> people carry it yeah <laughs> uh, but what we're going to do is um, we're actually going to uh, go to the moon we're going to go to the moon and uh, just check to see if the footprints are there no um, yeah we're going to watch some footage um, okay so while you're doing that I'll say that I did um, I watched the the Neil Armstrong movie that came out last year with Ryan Gosling oh first man first man was it good? And I thought it was really, really good. I really liked it. Uh, it went a little bit under the radar. I think it's quite slow, but I, I really like a slow film. And it really plays into the drama of his life um, surrounding the events. It's not like the big event. Like He doesn't actually go up to the moon to like the last bit of the film. It's more about like what was happening in his life around that time. It's a bit, bit more of a drama. But uh, yeah. really good film. I really recommend it. Nice. Really As usual, film. it sounds like people were expecting more of an action-packed yeah. thing. Yeah. 
But the that, visuals are good. amazing as well. Like it's really cinematic. The way it's filmed is really good. And when they're in the, the craft, even during the tr- tests and stuff, you feel yeah. like claustrophobic watching it, and all the stuff rattling around you. It's filmed really well. So, oh, awesome! Re- recommend that film. I might have to and give I, it a watch. I really like Ryan Gosling as well. Recommendation so. of the week. It's good. There you go, first man. Recommendation of the week. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch that. I think now, not right now, but uh, probably some other time. Um, yeah, so what we're going to do is we're just going to play um, and you guys can kind of imagine it. It doesn't really, just to watch it doesn't really do any justice really, so mm-hmm. you may as well listen. But this is footage of um, from CBS of Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he say the line, the famous line? He does say the classic line. But uh, what I've actually got is um, afterwards I've got a transcript of what they're saying because some of it's kind of muffled and kind of um difficult to difficult to hear so we'll we'll listen to it it's about three minutes long and then um and then if you guys have got any questions about what's being said then i can uh just fill you in afterwards let's do it so um here we go Neil, this is Houston, loud and clear. Break, break, Buzz, this is Houston. Uh, radio check and verify TV circuit breaker in. Roger, TV circuit breaker's in. Page five, clear. Roger. And we're getting a picture on the TV. TV. We got a good picture, huh? Uh, there's a great deal of contrast in it, and uh, currently it's upside down on our monitor, but we can make out a fair amount of detail. Okay, we can verify the position, uh, the uh, opening I ought to have on the camera. Stand what? There's a foot coming down. There he is. There's a foot coming down the steps. Okay, Neil, we can see you coming down the ladder now. Okay, I just checked uh, getting back up to that first step. Uh, It's uh, not even collapsed too far, but uh, it's adequate to get back up. So there's a foot on the moon, stepping down on the moon. If he's testing that first step, he must be stepping down on the moon at this point. Ten. Uh, Buzz, this is Houston. F2, I'm at the one one sixtieth second for shadow photography on the sequence camera. Okay. I'm uh, at the foot of the ladder. The lamb footbeds are only uh, uh, depressed in the surface about uh, one or two inches, although the surface appears to be uh, very, very fine-grained as you get close to it. It's almost like a powder. Ground mass uh, is very fine. Boy, look at those pictures. Wow. A little shadowy, but uh, he said he expected that in the shadow of the lunar module. Armstrong is on the moon. Neil Armstrong. 
38-year-old American standing on the surface of the moon on this July 20th, 1969. It's one small step for man. I think that was Neil's quote. I didn't understand it. <laughs> no, one small step for man, but I didn't get the second phrase. Some one of our monitors here at our space headquarters is uh, able to hear that. We'd like to know what it was. Surface is fine and powdery. I can, I can kick it up loosely with my toe. It does adhered in fine layers uh, like uh, powdered charcoal to the uh, to the skull and inside of my boot. His quote was, uh, that's one small step small for man, one Maybe giant leap for mankind. I can see the footprints of my uh, boots and the treads in the fine sandy particles. Yeah, this is Houston. We're copying. Amazing. One of the most famous quotes of all time, and I didn't even fucking hear it. <laughs> ah, like, what is and then, and then when he goes to, if that was me, you've got a man on the moon. Yeah. What's more important? What the man in the studio is talking about, or the man on the moon? I mean, listen. Yeah, to the I guy. was like, what's he talking about? What is the moon feel like? This is why I got the transcript. So, um, what I will say is, we sort of take it for granted now that man's mm. been on the moon. Yeah. Um, but listening to that, I sort of had my eyes shut for a little bit of that. And yeah. it made me really think, like, wow, that is pretty amazing that, like, yeah. someone stood on the moon's surface. When you look up in the sky and you think someone walked around on that, that's quite amazing. It is, isn't it? It really is unbelievable. Um, and actually, that's why I wanted to kind of start with that, to try and just draw our attention and our focus to the occasion and, and what's actually happened. Because a lot of the... Because uh, it's an amazing feat and a lot of the discourse on Twitter has been... People love throwing around moon landing theories and there's been a lot of people on Twitter just being like, show some fucking respect. Like, how dare you yeah. joke and belittle this amazing achievement? I can't remember. Someone I follow has been getting... Oh, um, Sam Neill. Oh, yeah, yeah. On Twitter, I follow him on Twitter. Um, mm. His great Twitter account, just loads of pictures of his pet pigs most of the time <laughs> but um, and, his, and his vineyards. But he was getting pretty pissed off at people and arguing with people on there saying, like, show some fucking respect. Yeah. yeah. And here we are about to weigh in on the conspiracy side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I mean, we'll obviously draw our conclusions later. Um but I'll just go back over and read some of the transcript now so that we can see. Is this some of Beefy's best bits? <laughs> but this is, so it kind of starts with Armstrong talking to, to Aldrin and he's talking about getting the ladder right so that he can, um, so he just says, okay, just checked getting back up to that first step buzz. It's The strut isn't collapsed too far, but it's adequate to get back up. So he's like, I think it's okay, buzz, I can do this. Mm. Cool and calm and collected and in the face says, of uh, standing on a moon. And then he says, ooh, takes a pretty good little jump. And then he sort of jumps down onto the foot pad. Uh, and then there's a little bit of chatting. And then Armstrong says, I'm at the foot of the ladder. 
the landing module foot pads are only depressed in the surface about one or two inches, although the surface appears to be very, very fine-grained. As you get close to it, it's almost like a powder. The ground mass is very fine. And then there's a bit of a pause, and then Armstrong says, OK, I'm going to step off the landing module now. And then he does, and then he says his his famous phrase. Coming at number one. <laughs> um, sorry, this isn't what he says, but I'm trying to get getting Nikki off the sofa. Nikki, bugger off. Nikki. His famous line, yeah. <laughs> Nikki, bugger, bugger off. off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry Um, no he says his famous line that's one small step for man one giant leap for mankind he must have been planning that he's got four days to come up with that to be fair exactly but the uh, the, and then the guy in the studio goes what do you say He's like, what do you say? He says something really important that's gonna be on our TVs for the rest of our lives bit of his stuff while we try to discuss what we missed. What an idiot. It's really clear as well. That that's that quote is so clear and famous and well like he knew it was gonna go down in history. Yeah. And it's so like well enunciated and he pauses for drama in the middle and stuff. We've got some complete moron journo who's just ruining it. Um but then after the pause he says this is about the surface, um, so this is what you wanted to hear, Bobby said. Oh, yeah. Yes, the surface is fine and powdery. I can kick it up loosely with my toe. It does adhere in fine layers, like powdered charcoal, to the sole and sides of my boots. I only go in a small fraction of an inch, maybe an eighth of an inch, but I can see the footprints of my boots and the treads in the fine sandy particles. And then as it goes on... Armstrong goes, ah, there seems to be no difficulty moving around, as we suspected. It's even perhaps easier than the simulations of 1-6-G that we performed in the various simulations on the ground. It's absolutely no trouble to walk around. It sounds like a holiday show now. He's been <laughs> he's been hyping up in his mind, I think, to be worse than it was going to be. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Sorry, when you do that, do you want me to put some holiday show music on to me? You'll find absolutely no trouble moving around on the moon surface. <laughs> like Judith Chalmers. It's like Partridge <laughs> on the canal boat. Yeah. And then he talks about the, the crater. So he says the descent engine did not leave a crater of any size. It has about one foot clearance on the ground. We're essentially on a very level place here. I can see some evidence of rays emanating from the descent engine, but a very insignificant amount. I mean, this goes on and on. This is There's loads. They talk for, for quite a long time about the surface um, and what they're able to do, what it feels like. Um, but it would take too long to go through it now. But if you just go to... I will put that transcript on the website, though, if anyone's interested. Yeah, absolutely. So if you just... I just Googled transcripts of Armstrong moon landing or something, and it's gone to hq.nasa.gov, and it's and it's all there, and you can just read it. It looks like pretty good bedtime reading. Um, it's interesting stuff. What did you think, Tis? Yeah, it's interesting. It's like... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty world famous. But... Uh, yeah, that doesn't really... Uh, is there anything about it that dispels any myths? Is there any conspiracies about the that part that have come up in your research? So, the there's, fact that you didn't go there? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, there's loads. 
there's lots and lots that kind of fall into different categories, which we'll come on to later. Yeah. Um, no, but any specifically about the speech part, like, uh, I don't know, like a rumour that oh, Stanley Kubrick wrote it or something. Written by committee. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's rumours about transmissions, there's rumours about that it wasn't him talking, there's, also, there's so much crap out there. Do you know what, though? Thinking about that, thinking about whether he said what he did or not, a lot of it, apart from the... I don't know, actually. I was going to say, apart from the famous line, which sounds like someone maybe written for him, or you could argue that. I, I would say that he came up with that himself. Um, but you could argue that someone else came up with it. The rest of it's quite mundane and normal, and yeah, you feel like it would be judged up a bit more if it was like script-written. It's very much just like, oh, just checking the ladder. Yeah, like, yeah. That feels really yeah. too normal to have been written. But I just, I love that the train... I mean, I don't know much about... The training involved, obviously, because I'm not an astronaut. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but if that was you, you would be—I'd be bubbling. I'd be so excited. You wouldn't be able to control yourself. I don't think you'd I'd be, be able to control um, my speech. You'd be buzzing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh gosh! Um, but you would, wouldn't you? Sort of. I—I I, I mean, you wouldn't be able to. Just the thought that you've gone down in history. That's it. You have just made history yeah but i suppose the amount of training they must go through that they have to log that they have to they're still doing a job um they've still got to report back on the surface and the texture and what it looks like and what it feels like and how it feels to walk and um how difficult is it to move you've still got to report on all that stuff but he might have had a little wry smile while he was doing it yeah he might have been <laughs> yeah <laughs> getting a wee chub on and getting a bit um <laughs> Oh, sorry. Can you, you can't do that in space, can you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's one of them like myths. I don't no. think you can get an erection in space. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like this hasn't like been right this thing. That's mad. Can you not? Where did you hear that? I might have been making that up. I'll search <laughs> it. I'll search it while you're talking. There's a good Go- chance. Can you Google it while I come yeah, on to the next bit? While you bit. talk, I'll, I'll Google that. So I thought it'd be good to um, just look a little bit before we get on to the... Um, to the conspiracies, I just wanted to look at the science involved uh, because it's all like like you said, Bobby. It's kind of we just kind of roll on with it and accept that this is a part of our history. But but when you think about what's <laughs> involved, have you managed to find you. it? <laughs> Go on. I'm laughing at the fact that I've just googled "Can you get an erection in space?" <laughs> <laughs> but the answer that comes up is pretty great as well. Go on. Outer space is hard on the body. And it's extra hard on hard-ons. Oh. <laughs> when you get an erection, the brain sends messages of arousal to the corpora cavernosa, the spongy tissue filled with blood vessels inside the penis. Um, okay. It gets a big assist from gravity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's harder to get hard in space, basically, is what it comes down to. But you right. can, though, can you? Well, that sounds it's nice. hard. It. Some of these are saying you can't, and some... Like, I'm reading different articles, one saying, why can't you get an erection in space? Or can you? Yeah. One of the quest- one of the top questions is, do male astronauts jerk off in space? Oh, for crying out loud. I'm not clicking that. Show <laughs> some fucking respect. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Show some respect for these goddamn heroes. <laughs> uh it's funny. Just like, just being, I've been reading, um, again, uh, this week I've been reading um, Tim Peake's book. Okay. The the British astronaut that we sent 
to the space station a couple of years ago. Is this what gave you the idea? No, not really, no. Um, <laughs> but just reading through that is it's basically just him answering everyone's questions. It starts by him saying, like, okay, since I got back, I've had just thousands of questions about space. Uh, so I've decided to write a book and just have all the answers in one place rather than me do countless uh, like interviews. Um, mm. So I would recommend that. I think it's just called Ask an Astronaut or something like that, or Life of an Astronaut. I basically can't be bothered to get up and go and look at the, the book on the shelf. It'll be on the blog. But I thought rather than just accepting that this happened, I thought it'd be useful to to look try and get our um, try and get our noggins behind the science that's involved um, in this. Some of it, to be honest, was way beyond my understanding. But I just thought if we just had a look at the what's what's roughly um, what's needed for a spacecraft to land on the moon, not not just leave. Earth's gravity, but to get onto the moon, then then it might help us when we look at the conspiracies. If you know what I mean, to understand that it can't have happened because it's too hard, because it's too it must be a conspiracy. Can I just ask before we go into this, Tiss? Yeah. Given the opportunity, yeah, would you go into space? No. I thought you would, Tiss. Nah, never. I'm disappointed. I think I thought you might. Nah. Then you want the thrill of walking on the moon's surface? Nah, not at all. Soulless and uh, empty up there. <laughs> I think it'd be depressing or awe-inspiring. Yeah, uh, depressing. <laughs> I would love to go. <laughs> what to me? How? Why? Why do you think it'd be depressing? Because no one's there. Uh, because humans aren't supposed to be in space. Hmm. Tiss, I've got a recommendation for you, mate. Okay. Because a couple of episodes ago, you were saying, we were talking about this very thing, and you said that uh, (laughs) you don't like space space exploration because it's just a massive waste of money. I didn't say that. Um, Well, (laughs) yeah, I guess it is. I think you may have said something (laughs) like that. Depends what day day (laughs) of the week is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would recommend... um, you might be able to get it on iPlayer. As uh, it was like three episodes called Earth from Space. Yeah, and I found that really interesting. The amount that they've been able to learn about um, species that they thought were going extinct, for example, from what they've been able to get from footage from space is quite quite remarkable. All right, let me put it another way then. Go on. I'll put that on the blog as well. Earth from Space. Um, Tiss, you have to go into space for some research. Really, but. You have to, from the, in this hypothetical scenario. Right. Would you... But you've given the choice. You can either just go into space or you can go to the moon. Going to the moon will take an extra two days. Do you do the moon <laughs> leg or do you just do the space leg? Do you think I'm here now, let's go the whole hog, you just going to ask enough? Um... Where in space were we going? Just like just outside the moon? Or yeah, into further? the atmosphere. I don't know what it count, whatever counts as being in space. Like you're you're still in Earth's orbit, but you're in space. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck knows. If I had to, I'm going up there. I'll go the full hog. Yeah, I'll go to the moon. Going whole hog. You're standing on the moon. Yeah. Why not? And then I can come back and be like, "Yo, it's real. The Earth isn't flat. All that shit." And then I'll be called oh, out. Oh yeah, that's good. And cancelled. 
Man. Cancelled. <laughs> what were your what were your words as you stepped down onto the moon? Have you got like a good quote? No. No, it wouldn't be televised either. <laughs> it would just be popping in. I would just go, um I'd go like bow, wow, 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 <laughs> and then I'll start singing Walking on the Moon I can't I just um, do you know what I can't I just can't imagine going to the moon it's just one of them things that I'm just like I couldn't imagine it it is hard to get your noggin around Wallace and Gromit went there yeah and it's basically cheese isn't it yeah and there's like a weird oven up there it's mad yeah what was that it was a parking meter wasn't it I can't remember. It's just like a weird robot machine. Yeah, it's like bits of all sorts. It's a bit Isn't of a parking meter and a bit of an oven. And he wants to... He keeps dreaming about getting away on holiday. Yeah. Be- beef, maybe you dispel this. Is, have we been back to the moon since? There have been 12 people on the moon, um, but I think it was the early 70s was the last person. Um, and since then, there have been other missions where they've orbited um, yeah. and things like that. But they've... But they've had they've had lots of what they call uncrewed missions. So they send probes up, uh, not probes, but they send uh, like uh, shuttles up just to kind of I don't know check stuff. Um, <laughs> check the flag still there. But the last I think the last crewed mission was, and this could be absolute tripe. So I apologise lots. Uh, but I feel like Apollo seventeen was the last. Yeah, Apollo seventeen. 14th of December 1972 with Gene Cernan and Jack Schmidt. So they went nuts for it for a few years and just kept sending blokes up there. It must have been really expensive. It must have been so expensive. Well, I mean, how expensive is it to get to do that? How expensive is it to get the train down to like the coast? <laughs> uh, let's first find out how expensive is it to land on the moon? The fuel that must take is is unbelievable. Yeah, ten modules were made for the Apollo program. Whoa! Uh, so in 1969, it cost 2.4 billion dollars. That sounds cheap. In today's money, that's 23.4 billion dollars. Mm, that's a lot. It's a lot of money in it, really. That's so much money. That's for ten. That's for ten trips, though. So I'm really conflicted on the like: is space exploration worth it? Thing. I'm so conflicted. Like my my opinion of it changes like day to day. Yeah. Some days I'm like, you know, human discovery is the core of what makes us human. We that is the stuff we need to put money into. We need to explore. We need to know about the world and the universe and everything around us, and that is important. And then. You know, other days I'm like, that's a lot of fucking money that needs to go into like, you know, health and education and the environment and all that stuff. I'm I'm the same. I'm in two minds. A part of me does think it's too expensive, but then this is where I would recommend watching that show because it just brought to a light a lot of the stuff that I'm like, oh yeah, I forget. That's what we need space exploration for. We need it so that we can we can understand a lot better. Uh, you know the damage we're doing to the climate, um, species of animals, and but like I say, they man- they found this um, a species how, of penguin. How, many, how much damage are we doing to the climate by going up to check how much damage we're doing to it with the fuel? I think in like relative, relatively small amounts. Given that they stay up there, they don't just like keep. It's not like I a motorway. It's, is the, it? it's the takeoff that's the big amount, isn't it? What were you saying about the penguins? It's a lot of fuel. It's a lot of fuel. But yeah, so. 
they yeah. So for example, they managed to find. Um, I think it was the space, the International Space Station. They, as they were going past Antarctica, they saw these little brown circles, and they were like, "What the hell? What is that?" Um, like really small, like brown, Poo. but then white in the middle, but then brown like rings. Um, and um, after a, a bit of research, they discovered it was um, penguin poo. Oh, um, I was actually right. It was shit. Yeah. So it's basically as you know, because the penguins huddle. And then yeah. it's the outer huddle, but this this ring was kind of like moving around the Antarctic as these penguins uh, move, emigrated and moved around. Um, and uh, yeah, so they discovered that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of this species of penguin, which they previously thought would go extinct. Um, so stuff like that, Shitting which is everywhere, yeah, just polluting the uh, the snow. But it was quite, it's, yeah, it's quite. I thought that was pretty cool. So we went we went off on a bit of a tangent there. What was you actually going to tell us about the amazing facts? Of well, we've kind of talked about travel. it a little bit, but it's right. um, uh, and I've got a little video in a minute in a minute um, just to kind of go through some of what's um, required. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to get up to if you're getting on a shuttle or a spaceship or I don't know what they call them. What do you call it? It's like a rocket, isn't it? But is that too? Like childish to call it a space rocket. What what's the grown up way of saying it? What a spacecraft. Sp- yeah, space is spacecraft. Is that it? That's it, isn't it? Um, yeah. So if you get on a spacecraft, um, <laughs> she- <laughs> it sounds silly. Now you said it. Yeah, it does, <laughs> you're using it in context. It sounds it does. silly. It sounds daft. If you get on a rocket, um, spaceship, then. <laughs> You need to get up to speeds of 25,000 miles an hour um, to leave Earth's atmosphere. So if you want to stay within Earth's atmosphere, uh, you can uh, tone that down a little bit to 17,500 miles an hour. Right. Uh, and that gets you out into space, but you're still in Earth's atmosphere. If you were to get out of the atmosphere to then then make your way towards the moon, for example... So uh, anywhere up to about 25,000 miles an hour. That's a lot. It is quite fast, isn't it? How's that for your G's, Mr. Rollercoaster Addict? <laughs> <laughs> However, when you're actually, when you've left Earth's orbit, what surprised me quite a lot was that you don't, you then don't actually need to use anywhere near that to be able to, it, it, the, the power that's required isn't, you don't have to then keep maintaining that. No, you just um, give a little like path, and it like pushes you in the right direction, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Like if, a... like when is it Bender gets into space with a fire extinguisher? Is it Bender? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's pretty much that. I think that's mad, probably. But the amount of science that's behind actually making a, a, a what's what they call a soft landing, so you get a, a hard landing. Um, which is what they would use if it was uh, if there were no crew on board, right? They haven't got to get it back. Yeah, then it's they just land it to let out a little, I don't know, like a little lunar rover or something, just to do mm-hmm. a little bit of science. Then um, they can do that. But a soft a soft landing is the only option for humans. So if you want to actually land on the moon with humans on board, you've got to do what's called a soft landing. Um, that's much harder right like a lot it's it's, it's a lot harder it's it's much much harder to to manage that and to engineer it properly it takes a lot of 
it takes a lot of time. So so it's not you don't have to slow down as much as I thought. You only have to slow down. Uh, it says you have to decelerate to less than about ninety nine miles an hour for for that to happen because obviously the gravitational pull on the moon is is a lot less than than the Earth. So to sorry to what to what speed? So according according to I think it was Live Science or Love Science. Live, is it Live Science? I don't know. Um, We've had this discussion before. We've done I this know before, website, haven't yeah. we? Um, according to that website, you can you can decelerate to less than ninety nine miles an hour or one hundred and sixty kilometers. That's an hour. what I thought thought you said. Yeah. So that's a soft landing. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to park softly at ninety nine miles an hour? Oh my god! Just gonna yeah. pull this into the bay here. <laughs> what so you can go that fast and hit the moon and not be like crushed that's a hard landing i think yeah if you want to um if you want to land and, do, and make a soft, soft landing? landing a soft landing i think has to be much more controlled i um, imagine it's like five miles an hour yeah that's <laughs> yeah. what i was thinking like 90 miles an zero hour like miles an hour really fast um from what i can i tried to look into this i tried to find out but as it always goes uh, with the internet, it doesn't see. It, I couldn't seem to find an actual answer. There's too much stuff on the internet nowadays. But from what I could, what I could see anyway. So if you're listening and you, this is absolute rubs, rubs. then uh, please let us know. But from what I could find out, it looks as if the, the the plan would always be that you would kind of orbit the moon a couple of times, mm. slowing slowing yourself down gently as you go. Um, to then kind of just make the the soft landing that that's needed to get people on the moon. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to just quickly look at a little bit of how the Apollo 11 lunar landing worked. Um, so this has just got a few. It's not a transcript, but it just kind of gives the details of of what happened and how they actually made the landing. Um, so look, July 16th. A Saturn V rocket left the JFK Space Center in Florida, uh, and it had all the instruments, the all the food. The astronauts obviously um, went up and orbited the Earth one and a half times, uh, and then it refired Apollo 11 towards the Moon once it had orbited the Earth a couple of times, and then soon after that. The module that was used to to do that separated um, and fell back down towards the Earth. Um, And then Apollo 11, on July 19th, so this is three days afterwards, Apollo 11 entered lunar orbit. After 24 hours in orbit and a check of the module switches and communications, Armstrong, Armstrong and Aldrin separated Eagle, so that was the module that they landed on the moon with, Mm-hmm. The eagle has landed. Is that the? Yeah, the eagle has landed. Exactly. Um, from Another famous Col- quote. That's it. From Columbia, coming in at number two. <laughs> uh, they separated the eagle from Columbia, which is which was the uh, the rocket that they used to propel them towards the moon. From what I can gather, um, and prepared to make their descent to the moon's surface. Surface. So that was July nineteenth. Uh, Collins remained in Colombia to serve as a communication link between the lunar module and mission control back to Earth. July 20th, 102 hours after launch at 4.17 in the afternoon, Armstrong and Aldrin landed in the Sea of Tranquility, a, a flat lava plain on the moon's surface. Armstrong sent 
this famous message to Mission Control. Houston, tranquility base here. The Eagle has landed. There we go, Tis. That's the one. Uh, and then just moments after landing, the two astronauts began preparing to abort their mission immediately and return to the command service module just in case an emergency occurred. Then they powered down. Six and a half hours later, Armstrong stepped out of the air spacecraft. Sorry, so it was six and a half, not eight and a half, sorry. Armstrong stepped out of the air spacecraft and took his first steps on the moon. Uh, and then uh, we know, we read the transcript earlier, so we kind of know what happened there. Uh, and then once they'd kind of walked around for a little bit, the two astronauts began collecting surface material and they noted the differences between the moon's gravity and the Earth's gravity because the moon has one sixth of uh, the gravity that's on Earth. Uh, and so therefore they had to kind of move around slowly by hopping like a kangaroo, it says here, uh, which I think is pretty cool. And then on the moon, they created what's the now famous image of them erecting the American flag, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't as easy as it looked. The pole uh, went in for the first kind of five inches or so, and then the soil on the moon started to become a lot more resistant. Um, So they had to lean the flag back a a bit of an angle to make sure it would stay in. Having said that, then when they took off, the blast knocked the flag over, apparently. Did it actually? I was going to say, do you think the flag's still there? Well, apparently. So they actually collected 50 pounds of rock, and okay. dust and and just substance uh, took, from what I can tell, it's like thousands of photos near the landing site, set up equipment, all the equipment that was on the Eagle. They, they kind of set up equipment so they could carry on monitoring things when they left. They left behind a disc with 73 messages from countries around the world, uh, medals from Russian cosmonauts. Uh, so imagine that. Imagine it's like rubbing salt into the wound, isn't it? And then on July the 21st, 21 hours after they arrived on the moon, Armstrong and Aldrin lifted off. So they were on there for nearly a day. Well, the thing is, a day on the actual surface? Uh, I think they weren't, they weren't on there for a day on the surface. I think it looks like they did that. And then as they were back on the module, they had oh, lots, yeah, of, yeah, of, course. Back lots on of preparation to do to get yeah, back yeah, off. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, because amazing as it is... How long do you think you can walk around on the moon's surface before you're like, it's a bit boring, actually? Yeah, it's it, yeah. I guess after a while you'd be like, well, there's no, there's no like TV here or like <laughs> any shops. It's not a gift shop. Too much risk for the reward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the the initial reward is amazing. I am on the moon. I am in space. And then once that's gone, you're sort of like, there's nothing really here. Exactly. Yeah. Done it. Completed it, mate. Um, so then they, they travelled back um, towards the command service module and then they docked back onto um, Columbia and headed back onto Earth. So when they entered the Earth's atmosphere, um, they entered it at a speed of 36,000 feet per second. Mm-hmm. How fast mental, isn't it? Uh, and landed out. in the Pacific Ocean. And that was it. And then they met with Richard Nixon. And, uh, well, we all know what happened after that. So um, so that's not really the science. It was kind of, I didn't really know what to call that section, but I just wanted to look a little bit at the kind of... Well, it's like a step-by-step of what actually happened, isn't it? Yeah, so I guess it is, it is kind of sciencey. Um, 
but we're just we're just going to watch a little video. So this is actually Daro Breen, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just kind of giving a couple of the facts about Apollo Eleven. Um, so this is from the BBC as well. So it's it's probably more legit than the other crap we listen to. Um, so I'm just going to play this now, and hopefully you can hear it again. Mm-hmm. Is that the prodigy? <laughs> Out the of moon is on average. <laughs> 375,643 kilometers away. To get there, you need a ship capable of escaping the Earth's gravity and some astronauts made of the right stuff. 3,150 men and women applied to be astronauts for the American space program, but selection was strict, both physically and mentally. So I'm just going to pause this here because um, obviously where this is a video, you can't see what's what's happening um but the the kind of tests that he's talking about astronauts have to to uh withstand so they have to withstand heat tolerance tests noise tolerance tests feet in ice water tolerance and um treadmill endurance so that's those are the tests that he's talking about the successful apollo candidates were on average just under 1.8 meters tall weighed 72.6 kilograms and were just under 39 on their first flight. Plus, they were clever, with an average IQ of 141. Three of the 32 serving astronauts were selected for the first trip to the moon. Amongst their luggage were medical supplies, survival gear and food supplies, including three sausage patties, 12 strawberry cubes and six prawn cocktails. This is the 60s, remember. But the biggest problem isn't the dodgy cuisine, it's escaping Earth's gravity. And for a big problem, you need a big rocket. The Saturn V was a monster. So the Saturn V, again, you can't see this, but I need to, I feel like I need to kind of like show you because you can't see this. So it was, it was taller than the Statue of Liberty um, and Big Ben. So it was 111 metres high weighed as much as 650 elephants <laughs> why did they take such weird weird food um yeah i know sausage was it sausage patties it's like prawn, prawn cocktail. cocktail and shit like just yeah. what just bring normal food like the last thing you need is prawn cocktail in space <laughs> that's mad unless prawns are really nutritious it was the 60s remember maybe i just feel like they tried to make it more interesting in terms of flavor prawn cocktail discos <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The Saturn V was a monster. It consisted of three stages. First, five F-1 engines launched the astronauts. The most powerful of their time, together they produced 160 million horsepower. They burned for 165 seconds and carried the craft 68 kilometers. A modern family car will average about 65 miles per gallon. Five F-1s do about 13 centimeters. The second stage takes the spacecraft a further 106 kilometers. And the third stage takes the craft into orbit and on its way to the moon. Guided by a computer with less power than your average wristwatch. The astronauts spent eight days, four hours and 35 seconds together in a metal cam. Just two hours and 32 minutes of which was actually on the moon. They splashed down in the Pacific Ocean considerably lighter than when they set off. They arrived to a hero's welcome and three weeks in quarantine. Oh yeah, I forgot that last bit. They had to be quarantined for three weeks afterwards. What? Yeah, that's in that film. 
because he gets back and his wife wants to see him and it's just like, well, I'm in a, like a box. Hi. Oh, is that in the film? Yeah, that's in the film. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty it's pretty mental. I just found that video quite useful. Like, uh, although the prodigy music in the background's quite jarring, it's a bit distracting. Just a little bit. But what else are they going to use? Don't put backing music in that has words. Only put instrumental backing music. I always find it jarring when it's got lyrics. Yeah, it's it's a bit much. But just some of what <laughs> what's actually on there is is pretty amazing. So there we go. That's that's the science. That's the moon landing bit. That's what happened. That's what they did and who was involved um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so now we come on to... My issue with that stuff, so my issue of all the stuff that you just told us, the science, how yeah. it happened, all that stuff, is that none of it's true. Because oh, what... well. It's all a big script. What well, is it? Uh, <laughs> well. Are you Are you leading <laughs> well. me nicely into the conspiracy section? I'm trying to, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Uh, so let's look at the conspiracies. Um, they originate, from what I could gather, again, there's so much out there, but I think particularly because of where we are, it's 50 years later, there's all the anniversary stuff, there's so much out there at the minute. Um, but um, it looks like there was, a, there was a book published called We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 billion Swindle. Uh, published Oof. by Bill Casing, who was a former U.S. Navy officer. Uh, he had a Bachelor of Arts in English. Um, but despite having... So he published that in 1976 as well, so four years after they'd stopped uh, sending men to the moon. Okay. Uh, and despite having no knowledge of rockets or technical writing, uh, Bill Casing was hired as a technical writer in 1956 by Rocketdyne, which is the company that built the F1 engines that they used on the Saturn V rocket. And so he's, he's the guy that wrote this, this book. And there were many allegations that he made, uh, basically starting this discussion that the moon landings were faked. So that was four years afterwards. And until that time, no one had even really considered that they'd, you know, they were faked, that they well, why were, would it was you? all a big hoax. Until someone had said to it, why would you think that's not real? Well, exactly. I mean, I don't know exactly where this came from, and I couldn't really be bothered to give the guy the time of day, to be honest, because I think it's a load of crap. Um, <laughs> but uh, the book claims, so bearing in mind, he hasn't got any expertise. To, he's got a BA in English, but that's it. Um, right. He's got so no that's, knowledge. That's like what I'm studying. That's what I'm in the middle of studying anyway. So that's like me at the end yeah. of this writing a book about the moon landing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, precisely. That's exactly it. Um, but he claimed that uh, the chance of a successful crew landing on the moon was cra- uh, calculated to be 0.00017%, uh, and that despite close monitoring by the Soviet Union, it would have been easier for NASA to fake the moon landings to, than to actually go there. Uh, so well, that's of course it would have been Bill easier. Casling. Uh, well, or was it? Do you think it would be easier to not do something than to do it? Yeah. We'll come on to this a bit later, but to actually fake it and to fake it convincingly, it might not be as easy as you would think. Okay, yeah, there's there's one major thing which I think would be v- for a reason for it to be very hard to fake it, but we'll come to that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll keep, that, I'll keep that under my hat for now. What I'll do before we look at the reasons why, um, I'll ask you to kind of say what you think about okay. that. 
Uh, and then in 1980, the Flat Earth Society accused NASA of faking the landings, uh, arguing that Disney had sponsored um, some kind of um, production, I guess, uh, and that this this was all scripted by a guy called Arthur Clarke and then directed by Stanley Kubrick because, of course, shortly before that, Kubrick had been involved with um, that really famous film that I've now forgotten. Two, 2001. Yeah, thank you. Um this is a nightmare. This is like mixing moon conspiracies with like Disney conspiracies. Yeah. With uh, what was the other thing you said? Uh, flat Earth. <laughs> flat Earth. Yeah. Like this is a nightmare of the person who is into these sort of things is a nightmare to me. And they probably hate our show, so I can say that. Fine. It's it's the perfect perfect storm, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Perfect storm of moronism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's pretty bad. But there's 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 from what I can tell, uh, there's so much. There's so much that they that they say uh, they um, think is is enough evidence to show that this none of this actually happened. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of in five categories that I could kind of condense them into. There's so many different arguments, but they kind of fall within five little things. Um. So the first thing. Um, yeah, the different photos and the film footage, mm-hmm. which I'll come on to in a sec. The second was environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, third is transmissions and communications. Uh, fourth is that the USA tech was inadequate compared to Russia's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fifth was is actually a lot of NASA personnel deaths at the time. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to start with the the photos and film. I'm going to try and get through these. Not going to. I'm not going to rush them. Um, but I'm equally. I don't want to spend too much time on them. It's like we've already like denounced them before you've said them as well. <laughs> well uh, yeah, exactly. It's pretty. It's pretty much a load of old fooey. But first of all, the conspirators claim that there's. If you look at the photos, and there's so many, you guys could probably Google while I'm talking if you want to. Lots of photo footage from 1969 and they've they've got the crosshairs in the middle of the camera mm-hmm. um and on certain images the crosshairs appear to be behind certain objects so they they te- they look as if they're behind uh some of the kit and equipment that were left behind to sort of monitor what thing on the moon so so there's um i mean i, I can't really show you but there's 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 photos that and the cr- Part of the crosshair tends to be it looks like it's behind the object, which so tampering image tampering yeah so they've they're suggesting they've tampered with the image, but then they've what they've done NASA actually took upgraded I'm just going to debunk all of these as I go along basically because it's all load of load of old shite um <laughs> I'm just going to debunk every single conspiracy as we go along um but actually they've NASA have taken the same photos now with obviously we've now got higher quality cameras that can take way more detailed pictures than 1969 and actually 1998. So you think in what 20 years our our camera technology has come on leaps and bounds. Um, and it's, it's exactly the same footage. The shadows are exactly the same place. The only thing that's different is the crosshair is, is clearer um, and they're just saying it's the same as any other picture. If you've got um, a large amount of light behind uh, a dark 
like a, a thin black line, it's going to be engulfed by something, and particularly if it's like a low quality picture. I've heard people say in theories that actual cameras wouldn't actually work effectively in space. That's another one. Oh, yeah, that they, um, yeah, so they, yeah, so they, lots of conspirators claim that as well that the, the cameras wouldn't work, or that some, some have said that the cameras wouldn't, um, they basically would be uh, shorted or burnt out from. There's like a, we'll come on to this in a moment as well, but there's like a. Uh, a thin layer of radiation um, around the earth, around the magnetic poles and the earth. And mm-hmm. they say that that would have caused the, the camera technology to fail. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't find what, what, where that, like why that would be debunked, but you can find that in your own time if you want. Um, so we're just going to play another video now because I can, I can go through it bit by bit, but actually it's much better if I just play this, this clip um it's a bit uh it's a bit gimmicky like um but it it does it does the job of explaining why it would be virtually impossible for them to have replicated the footage in like a, a film studio so um here we go okay explain it to me one more time why do you think the moon landing was faked We're both skeptics, right? So think about it skeptically. There's no way NASA had the technology to go to the moon. They just filmed it on the soundstage. That would have been way easier. Yeah, that's what conspiracy theorists think. But the truth is, faking the moon landing in 1969 actually would have been harder than just going to the moon in the first place. Here, I'll show you. Fake moon landing, take one. All right, in this scene, you're on the moon and it's real and we're fooling America and action! See? Stanley Kubrick just shot a guy jumping around on set and then they played it back on TV. Sorry, but given the filmmaking and lighting technology at the time, that actually wouldn't have been possible. Right! The lighting! Look at how bright it is. Look at these shadows! This was clearly shot in a studio. Actually, Creating that lighting would have been essentially impossible in a studio. Melinda, meet Mark Shubin. He's a forensic motion picture analyst and an Emmy-winning life fellow of the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers. Thanks, Adam. Using image forensics, I can tell you that the light source we see in the moon footage is actually parallel sun rays with no diffusion. If you look at the photos from the Apollo mission, you can see that all the shadows are parallel because the light source is 93 million miles away. But if you try to recreate that same photo using studio lighting, the shadows diverge. Huh. Back in the 60s, the only way to recreate that effect would be to build a wall of millions of laser lights so close together they'd be like pixels on a TV screen. No, 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 no. This lighting is all wrong. I need lasers, Peter. Lasers. But lasers back then were big and costly, so rigging together that many at that size would have required an enormous apparatus that probably would have cost more than the entire Apollo project. Perfect! This is great. Now we just need millions of these lasers. Oh, uh, I don't know if that's in our budget or the country's. Honestly, Peter, you make me furious. And in those days, the only lasers that were practically available were red. Which means the color photos we have from the moon landing would have been impossible. I can't shoot in red light. It makes this moon look like a bordello. Correction, 
We need millions of ultra-rare multicolored lasers. How do I explain that? I mean, that's not even a remote. How do I explain it's remotely real? Go back to film school, Peter! Now, today, we could recreate the correct lighting with computer graphics. But in 1969, those didn't exist. Hmm. I've asked my colleagues in forensics and in movie production, and given the parallel light rays and the detailed color photos, we just cannot think of any way they could have faked the moon landing with the technology they had at the time. Hmm. Thanks, Mark. Convinced? Maybe that's what they want you to think. <sighs> What if NASA secretly created computer graphics and just kept it from us for 40 years? Well, then an astronomical number of people would have had to keep that secret. Like over 400,000 NASA employees. You want all 400,000 of us to keep our mouths shut? Yes, please. Good luck. We love gossip. Scientists from Australia, Spain, and England who said they independently picked up the moon landing transmission from space. And why would we lie for you? You're always making fun of our Vegemite. And the Russians, our space race rivals, who had every reason to prove us wrong. It's been 50 years, and we haven't even claimed that you faked it. You beat us fair and square this time, but we'll get you back in 2016. But where's the tangible proof that we went to the moon, huh? There isn't any. Actually, there is. While the astronauts were on the moon, they laid out a reflective material called retroreflectors. So today, when an observatory on Earth aims a high-powered laser at them, it bounces right back. Cut! Cut! Shut it down! This is impossible! Oh, no, 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 wait! It still could have been faked! Uh, all you'd have to do is secretly develop computer graphics technology decades ahead of its time, convince multiple governments to lie on our behalf, and then somehow get retro reflectors to the moon without actually going there. You could do that, right? Forget it, lady. It'd be easier to put a man on the moon. Okay, so there's my ultra gimmicky video. You, did you make that? No. No, I keep saying it like I did, but <laughs> no, no, it's just, uh, uh, it's, it's called Adam Ruins Everything. I think it's something to do with Late Night Live or it's some kind of American, um, it's like, it seems like a frequent, it keeps like debunking stuff. I don't know. Uh, but you can go check that out. I was going to say that addressed the main issue I have with, with a lot of conspiracy theories actually, but uh, Moon Landing is a big one and that's the... The amount of people involved to keep that secret would be impossible. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's what I always question about the X-Files when I'm watching it. Yeah. Right. Whenever whenever you watch the X-Files and there's an alien episode and it comes back to the government, I'm just like, how many people know about this? Throughout the course of that series, so many people see aliens. I'm like, all these people couldn't keep a secret. And that's what I feel about Moon Landing. Yeah, exactly. So it was... Um... So they say, in the, she says in the video, no, sorry, he said in the video that NASA would have to swear over 400,000 NASA employees to secrecy. And that's that's just NASA. And obviously that goes overseas to, I think he said, Australia, Canada and, the, and uh, Great Britain yeah, and NASA. Russia. And at no point, and that's another big thing for me, is at no point in the last 50 years have Russia... Uh, suggested it was a fake. Uh, they haven't. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that that sort of aspect of it. Yeah. Well, that's the first thing I looked at. Was already, clearly, if, if there was the space race, then surely Russia would be the first ones to... They wanted to disprove it, yeah. 
they'd want to debunk it pretty quickly. And if they haven't even tried, that to me is enough evidence, to be honest. This feels a little bit like Flat Earth, where before the episode's even begun, we've all been like, this is bollocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't even be bothered to go into this. So, so many conspiracies. There's just so many I look at and you think, basically, as the video was playing, I looked um, to try and find the answer to what you were asking about the cameras not working. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I've managed to find enough of, yeah, basically the answer is that's that's not the way cameras work. Cameras, Camera technology doesn't get disrupted in that way. It just, it doesn't. No, it's basically people. It's just idiots sat there going, "Yo, what about the cameras? They don't work in space, do they?" So, um, I don't know how plausible their arguments are. What do you you think, Tis? Watching that, Um, I mean, it's really hard to know whether we did because I'm not a scientist, but I trust people that are smarter than me that say we did because of lots of research that's been integral to their like careers and life. Is there a part of you that believes that it might not be real, though? Um, no. There's just a part of me that uh, questions everything because, yeah, I don't think anything is golden, really. I don't question whether the government would. No. Because I, I know they definitely would. And therefore, that leaves the gap for there to be doubt. Hmm. But I wouldn't say that I'm definitely, definitely a skeptic. I'm just saying that I'm not a hundred percent sure. I couldn't, I, I couldn't bet my house on it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think JFK got m- killed by his own government is more likely. Oh, well, that, I believe that to be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of. Yeah. That's the only conspiracy theory. Where I'm like that one's. That's the real one. Yeah, definitely. It ruins all the other ones for they me. They invented other conspiracies. Just so they could wear like whitewash the other one, the one true conspiracy. Yeah, it's I like I like I was just about to say. Look, in in some ways, I I totally understand people's um, being a little bit apprehensive, a little bit cautious, I guess, because it's such a ginormous event, isn't it? It's such a massive, massive event. Mm. I think it's quite the common thought actually now that that we didn't. Whereas before, when I was younger, it was like, we did. We obviously did. But I think it's coming around now. again, though. Do you think? Yeah. When I was younger, it was like, we did, we did, we did. And then when I got older, that's when these conspiracy theories started becoming more prevalent. And I've noticed in the last year or so, despite the fact that conspiracies are becoming more and more common, that people have actually been saying, actually, it's bollocks that we did actually land. Like, I feel like it's coming back now. Yeah, that people are just disbelieving that we did it. Don't you think that we? That's because we live in a world now where you don't. There just doesn't seem to be people that um, feel like they have to. They can just say whatever they want. They don't have to back it up. They can just say it. Mm. I think, and that's what I think. I think people are getting a bit sick of that. Yeah, like Shakespeare isn't real. Well, (laughs) yeah, that's true. (laughs) I forgot about that one. I forgot about that one. But you, you, I think, I think really, I think people are getting sick of it because we also we live in a world where we we have this kind of like tension between fake news and people that just say any old shit that they want, and then people that value. I think we've realised how damaging it is when we uh, tr- when we. I think what we always loved was fantasising about what if 
knowing mm. what actually happened, but then fantasizing about, yeah, but what if? And then it got a bit carried away where the what if became the sort of on a level with what actually happened. And then now we don't know what actually happened anymore. Yeah. But people also, I was going to say that the tension that we've got is between people that say whatever they want and just blast their opinions all over social media. And then people that value intelligence and academia and, and research and facts and actually going on your own journey to find something out. And I think that's, that's also where I think it's not your, your, your average NASA employee is very intelligent. So you're asking 400,000 extremely intelligent people to keep a secret. They're not going to be able to do that. You can't hide the truth. It's, I think we've said this sort of thing before. You can't, the, the truth don't, won't stop being true just because you don't believe it. Like the truth mm. is there, whether you like it or not, that's, that is, you can't change the truth just because you don't believe it's true. The truth, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle that's, the truth. Exactly. Uh, that's the government's slogan. <laughs> <laughs> that's a slogan for his re-election right uh, i'm gonna have to oh i gotta bleep that you're gonna have to bleep that mate yeah um i'm just gonna prattle through these so the next the next collection of conspiracies come into the the environment right um and the big thing again there's there's i've tried to get videos into this when i can not because i'm lazy but just because I don't really understand a lot of this, so I figure if I just get someone else to do it for me, that's helpful. <laughs> uh, so firstly, the astronauts could not have survived the trip because of the exposure to radiation from what's called the Van Allen radiation belt. Um, so you've got uh, an inner and outer radiation belt around the magnetic poles around the Earth, um, and conspirators say that they're way too dangerous, so travelling through that is way too dangerous. They haven't even... They haven't even got to landing on the moon. It's just getting out of the Earth's atmosphere is too dangerous in itself. Right. Um, but loads of people have done that, right? Well, yeah, exactly. The debunkers say that's that's ridiculous because the amount of radiation that actually passes through you when you're going through that, you're travelling at such a, a tremendous speed that you it doesn't actually... But uh, also the astronauts, so they were going way too quick. Uh, for the radiation to have too much of a big impact on them. Uh, the astronauts were also shielded from the aluminium in the spacecraft. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. James Van Allen, who discovered the radiation belts, has auto-rebutted the claims that they were too harmful the, for the Apollo missions. So this is just absolute bunk. Uh, the moon's surface during the daytime is so hot that camera film would have melted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's simply no atmosphere to efficiently bind lunar surface heat to devices. Uh, the physics of radioactive heat transfer are thoroughly understood, and the proper use of passive optical coatings and paint was enough to control the temperature of the film within the cameras. So, and there's a few more, but they're basically it's just like too petty. A lot of them just seem like, what about that? What about this? What about, you haven't even thought about that? Yeah. It feels like... A lot of people are just throwing out whatever they can think of but yeah, there's actually exactly. an answer to all of it. Yeah, it's like sitting in a classroom with Fabio. <laughs> That's a reference Just, that the listeners will understand. Exactly. Uh, also, within the environment, uh, conspirators say, because you know the flag that got planted? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about how the, f the flag appears to flutter in the wind? Yeah. Yeah. 
what have you got? What do you guys know about that? Do you, or well, is there that isn't wind much... on there, is there? But people say that the flag looks like it's blowing in the wind. Don't people say like it should just be like hanging flat down? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Explain that. Yeah, I, would, I actually do want to hear the explanation for that. I don't know that. I'm getting all turned around just thinking about it, Beef. Explain where's your, that. Where's your gravity now? Where's, where's your gravity your now, Beef? Gravity with that, mate. I've I've got a lot less gravity on the moon, I'm afraid. Um, I'm actually going to leave you hanging on that one because the video we're going to watch explains that. Okay. Oh. Passing the buck. And the footprints. Do you know about the making the footprints? No. Yeah, any conspiracies around the footprints? Um, so conspirators say that the footprints on the moon in the moon dust are ri- like ridiculously well preserved, despite there being no moisture at all. What do you mean they're well preserved? Well, if you look at the pictures, if you look, it's not like um, they look too. It's almost like someone's got like a stick. Yeah, with but a don't shoe you on the think end and... if they were taking a picture of their footprint, they would like stamp down in a re- and take a picture of a really good footprint. Well, yes, uh, but also uh, moon dust has not been weathered like the sand that that we get on the Earth, right? Uh, and it allows the dust particles to stick together and hold their shape in the vacuum on the moon, right? Um, but this actually, a lot of these, um, I'd recommend, you could find this on YouTube. Uh, a lot of this has been debunked on the Mythbusters episode, NASA Moon Landing. So go check that out. Um, but we're just going to watch this, uh, well, listen to this other video now, which debunks a lot of the environment stuff, including taking a brief look at the flag. Because you're right, that was the one thing, that was the pretty much the only thing when I when I looked at this, I thought, I'm not sure about the flag. Okay. This is from The Telegraph. The flag is flying and appears to flap, but there is no wind on the moon. NASA was well aware that there's, of course, no wind on the moon. There's no way to naturally make it sort of fly as you'd expect a flag to be. So instead, they created this mechanism that would keep the flag unfurled even without that wind, keep it sort of outstretched. Unfortunately, as the astronauts were installing it, the mechanism got a little bit jammed before it was completely unfurled all the way. So this means that um, the flag does have sort of a, a permanent ripple in it, a ripple that doesn't move, doesn't change, but it is always there. Um, additionally to this, um, when those astronauts were originally installing that flag, as they knocked the flag, that caused that momentum, caused that um, flag to look like it was moving a little bit, even though there was, again, no wind. Okay, second one. Uh, the radiation in the Van Allen belts would have killed the astronauts. So there is a very great amount of dangerous radiation trapped by the Earth's magnetic field and what we call those Van Allen belts. But the spacecraft that took those Apollo 11 astronauts out through that Van Allen belt was flying at a very high speed, meaning that they were only exposed to that radiation for a very short amount of time. A short enough amount of time that literally the spacecraft walls themselves were enough to protect them from that radiation. Another thing. Uh, that I haven't covered yet, but there are no stars in the black sky in any of the photographs. So you can actually see the same effect of this if you try and take a picture of the night sky with your own smartphone at home. You'll find that you just get a picture of complete blackness because in reality, if you wanted to take a picture of those stars, you'd have to use an exposure time of a good few seconds, maybe even a couple of minutes to get all those stars in view. Uh, And the moon has one source of light, but the shadows go in different directions. 
the moon's surface itself is very bumpy, very lumpy, lots of craters and mountains, things like that. So the sun, when it bounces off that surface of the moon, it can sometimes bounce off in a few different directions caused by all that, those uneven surfaces. And this makes some of those shadows look like they're coming from perhaps diff different directions that you're not expecting. Additionally to this, there is actually a little bit of light that we um, receive on the moon from the Earth itself. Some of the sun's light will bounce off all those blue oceans and that will cause something called Earth shine, which also illuminates the moon a little bit from another direction. There's no blast crater at the landing module's landing site. If a module of that size were to try and land softly on the Earth, you probably would see a very large blast crater caused by all the retro rockets, all the thrusts being fired in the opposite direction to slow the spacecraft down. However, on the moon, there is much lower gravity, so much less of that backwards thrust is needed to slow the spacecraft down, so not enough to actually cause a crater at all. Finally, well, I still don't believe it happened. There's many more pieces of evidence to back up that the Apollo 11 moon landings happens. Um, one of the things was that they brought back a huge amount of lunar rocks, lunar samples that have been thoroughly tested in labs to prove that they are actually from the moon. Additionally to that, the Apollo 11 astronauts left some mirrors on the surface of the moon. Mirrors that we can actually fire lasers from here on Earth. It's an experiment that is being carried out to get very accurate measurements of how far away the moon and the Earth are from each other. So many more political reasons on top of that. Russia and the US were in a big space race at the time. Um, and if it was a true race, it's not very likely that Russia would just allow America to win if they hadn't actually reached the surface of the moon, if there wasn't enough evidence for them to believe it as well. On top of that, the number of people it would take to cover up a conspiracy this big is so many that by now, surely someone would have spilled that secret. There we go. So that was... Anna Ross there from The Telegraph talking to us about the environmental conspiracies about the moon landings. Some nice uh, summations there. Yeah, did that solve your queries with the flag as well? Yeah, it did. Yeah, good. It's a that's mechanism. Right, so a lot of these answers yeah. are very simple. Yeah, that's that's what I'm... This is why I didn't want to just do talk about the conspiracies. I wanted to talk about the, the landing itself as well mm. because it's kind of... What about this? All that? There's so about this? many conspiracies and questions. It just makes you think, like, why? Why has everyone got such a hard on for like disproving this thing? I know. Yeah. It's it. It kind of makes me sad, and it. I. I guess a, a big part of it is uh, there's not a lot of understanding. It's it's out outside our understanding. This whole subject of space exploration. Um, there's a lot of science, which I guess a lot of people don't understand, including myself. So I guess it does leave you with lots of questions. It's like having a child that doesn't understand trigonometry. Because it, it sounds impossible. Yeah. So you're just like, how can it be possible? Yeah, even even in this day and age. And I guess particularly because a lot of people are like, well, why don't we go back there now? Yeah, I don't know. But I, I guess it... it well, well there's, yeah. no, there's no money. They don't put funding into it anymore. It's like we did it. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's, and I guess they're now getting the f the feedback and the the communication from there that they from the equipment they left there. So I don't, mm. I, I guess that's pretty much pretty much it. Um, what about the dark side of the moon? Sorry. What about the dark side of the moon? Doesn't doesn't the dark side change? But there isn't a one constant dark side. It like yeah, there is. That's that's what the dark side of the moon is. Is it? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's only one side that there's one side that stays dark constantly. That's not true, is it? Yeah, well, that's why the dark side of the moon comes from. I'll Google it right now. I'll confirm. I'll confirm with the collective hive mind. And then these last ones, just they're quite brief, um, but there's lots of questions around uh, transmissions. Um, so lots of conspirators think there should be more than a two-second delay. Oh, uh, hang on a sec. There's a permanent far side of the moon, but no permanent dark side of the moon. Yeah. There you go. The moon does rotate on, exa- on its axis. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the episode of Futurama where they're in on the moon and it goes to the dark side while he's on it and then he suddenly like freezes in place. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, so then when we look at the transmissions, again, as I look through these, a lot of this is basically just people guessing or, or make or just making stupid guesses. Well, that can't <laughs> be right. That sounds ridiculous or... Um, so, but it, guess what? It is ridiculous. So, of course, it sounds yeah, exactly. ridiculous. We're into the moon. I know, I know, I know. It's it's yeah, it's really annoying. <laughs> um, but, but um, so for example, there should have been more than a two second delay in communications between Earth and the Moon. Like, why? Like, who said? Where's why? Who, who's the person coming forward with the science behind why that should be the case? Um. Basically, a lot of these people, this is, I managed to look, I found this in a forum today and I found that really funny. There was like an argument between a conspirator and um, a guy who's obviously, um, I don't think he's a scientist, but he seems to know a lot about this. Um, And this guy was making references to documentaries he's seen. um, And this guy basically shut the argument down by saying, don't you think they would have edited out any of the delay in the communications? Um, and then the guy stopped messaging him. So you get loads of stuff like this where mm. people on forums just like, what about this? What about that? And then people just come back and... Well, um, that's the internet, isn't it? Arguing. Uh, exactly. Uh, and then lots of people saying that the technology that the Americans had wasn't um, wasn't as good as uh, the, the Soviet Union's was at the time, which actually isn't too far away from the truth, given that the Soviet Union managed to... Uh, get to the moon uh, before the Americans. So yes, that's that's actually f- fairly accurate to say that their technology wasn't as advanced. That's well, that's clearly why there was a race, wasn't there? Mm. Um, and the Soviets did get there; they just didn't put men in there. Um, and I guess I don't know. I wonder if if I was to watch the film, maybe you might be able to shed some light on this. But my my guess is that it it was a, a ginormous risk for the Americans to do this. It was the yeah. There was loads of like failed attempts building up to it and stuff, and it was a big risk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's my thinking behind that is is that they they took a huge gamble with the technology they had, and that's that's basically why it's such a massive uh, event in our lives. Um, and then finally, um, again, I'm not shed- I'm not shedding much light on any of this because it just uh, not much time on this because it just feels. Like when you go through it, you're like it all. It's all pretty self-explanatory stuff. It's none of this seems like covering up a big hoax. Um, it, and the, so the final one is is the deaths of the NASA personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there seem to be a list of astronauts that have died um, in a relatively short time around the times of the landings. So between 1964 and what looks like uh, 19. 
71, I think, by the looks of things, 72. Um, different astronauts died or were killed. But they're all what I would seem to be pretty unfortunate events, but not outside oh. of the realms of possibility when it comes to being an astronaut. So they were either killed by... Whistleblowers. Um, Tears struck and they were hushed. <laughs> Your face Whistleblowers. Yeah. Yeah. They're all no, because when you look at them all, so you've got uh Theodore Freeman Mysterious Circumstances. Um Theodore <laughs> Freeman killed Mi- while Mickey Loose Lips. <laughs> Mickey Loose Lips. <laughs> Theodore Freeman was killed ejecting from a T thirty eight which had suffered a bird strike. We've all been there. It's just pretty <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um uh, a couple of others crashed in bad weather as they were I I don't know, testing different crafts. Um, a couple killed from car accidents, mm. but they've basically all died whilst they're doing their jobs. Mm. And when mm. you consider that NASA have got four hundred thousand employees, mm. ten uh, doesn't seem to be. It's a dangerous job, isn't it? I'm not too bothered by that. It's a dangerous job, whistleblowing on NASA. <laughs> Look, we're too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> well, if you if you want to, uh, I. If you want to, you can go on YouTube. Michio Kaku defends the moon landing quite a lot in a lot of videos. So, uh, but they were all like at least five I'll minutes in, long. So I couldn't be bothered at the end of the episode after the credits of Michio giving a speech. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Basically, the point he makes is that uh, if if there were nine, there were then nine missions to the moon. They weren't obviously all filled with men going to the moon, but they sent modules there nine times they'd have to then fake it nine times so it would cost the amount of money nine times over to keep faking it and faking it but there you go guys i've presented all the evidence i've given you all the conspiracies i can find what are your final thoughts space is bullshit we never went to the moon rock on stupidity uh, we did go to the moon, and um, obviously Tiss is playing devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> People uh, like to fun. argue and and go against anything the government does, and that's why they want to say the moon landing didn't happen. The government does suck most of the time, but I do think we went to the moon. The, the, my main argument is it's like the main thing for me is my my actual reason why I think we did is my lack of faith in humanity. I don't think that that many people could have kept that secret for so long. I think they would have to have told someone. Yeah. And that's why I think we did. Yeah, totally. This has got a big smile on his face. He's thinking about his stupid (laughs) Uh, analysis he just said. (laughs) I could just just devil's advocate my way through this, but I just can't do it. <laughs> too easy. <laughs> it's too fun. It's too much fun. But I fear that I am spreading the wrong message. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's like we said earlier. It's it's it it it's borderline disrespectful. No, uh, bearing in mind that's. I think it is. I think I think when it's. <laughs> I, I just imagine. I can't imagine being a part of something so monumental. When you're, so, you're part of something that big, though, uh, meme culture can get you. 
The meme culture. That's essentially what this is, isn't it? Meme the, culture. The, 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 even the prospect <laughs> of meme culture I find disrespectful to the people that did that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being in a rocket and you're doing that thing and you're sitting there, fucking out on the first person to go to the moon, and then someone, someone from the future <laughs> drops in and says, by the way, there's a thing called memes that are going to prop up <laughs> in like 50 years. And uh, yeah, me and they explain meme culture to them. I think they'll just be like, oh, fuck it. Turn uh, the ship around. <laughs> Everything is a big joke now because of the internet and memes. Every available picture <laughs> of you will be photoshopped onto a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's basically it anyway. Um, I will just quickly give a listener of the week. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so listener of the week, the, I, I'm... I'm guessing this isn't her real name, uh, but I want to give it to <laughs> Koisty Poisty, um, who was the first ever person to sign up to my new Patreon. Amazing! Yeah, she amazing. signed up before I even announced it was a thing. I hadn't. I'd I'd put the web web address aside and sat on it and hadn't put it out into the world. And then I had someone sign up and was like, how did you even know this was a thing? Um, so before I'd announced it, I had someone sign up. So thanks, Koisty Poisty, for being the... Uh, and if that's your real name, that's amazing. I imagine it's not. Thanks for being the first ever patron. And uh, talking of my Patreon, I'm going to record stuff about my Patreon separately when I have all my notes up in front of me. Amazing. Nice. Uh, one... A uh, word of congratulations, actually, to Sean Torrance uh, on his oh, wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, getting married. That's so, awesome. So regular, regular listener and sometimes guest on the on the show, Sean was married last, well, last week for us or this week for us. Whenever it went up, he was married recently. So yeah. congrats, Sean. Yeah, man. That's fantastic news, mate. Well done. Really good. You can't be listener of the week because you've already had it once, but thanks. <laughs> Marriage of the week. Marriage of the week. <laughs> Marriage, of, Marriage the of the week. Oh my god! Sure. If you're getting married or want to get married, you can be a marriage of the week. <laughs> right in. And uh, also want to give a shout out to my brother Zachary, who had his mate was listening to our episode, and we were talking about imaginary friends, right? And his mate screen recorded us talking about my brother's imaginary friends. <laughs> Amazing. And sent it to him. And then my brother sent it to me. So I was like, oh, sorry, mate. I didn't mean to. I hope I haven't upset you. And he's like, no, it's funny. That's amazing. So Amazing. I hope if you're listening, Zachary, I hope you actually now listen to a full episode rather than just. Well, now he knows he could be clip. mentioned in it. Exactly. In two episodes now. So get on it. Yeah. Amazing. There we go. So how many that's like the most amount of shout outs I've ever done. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe four. So like I said before, uh speaking of my Patreon, uh you can now support me uh as a content producer, editor, uh etc. on Patreon at patreon.com slash bobshoy. That's B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. And uh support there helps to keep all the free shows that I'm a part of going. So Weird Tales twice a month and uh, Five Minute Folklore, which will be relaunching next month, as well as my new podcast, which is now launched, called Known For, with me and Rebecca, where we look at the filmographies of a different actor or actress every episode and decide what films they should be known for, our favourites, hidden gems that you should check out. Um, 
So if you search known for filmography, that's how it's appearing at the moment in uh, the different searches we're still getting on every service. So if you've got any problems with that, let me know as well and get it sorted out. But support on Patreon not only helps all those keep going, uh, you can support for as little as $1 a month. You can also get more free content by supporting from $5 a month or more. And for that, you get a, a monthly episode of Weird News. You get a monthly episode of a show called Weird Tales Revisited, hosted by me and Rick, where we revisit old topics from Weird Tales that we want to take another look at and get a fresh perspective on. Uh, There's a five-minute folklore extra. It's like a mini five-minute folklore episode looking at uh, the folklore of a country we've already visited, but like a a different folklore character from that place. Um, and then the new show, Four and One More, which is a spin-off of the Known For podcast, where once a month, me and Rebecca pick our top four films from whatever the topic is that month, plus one more honourable mention. So this month, we've talked about Pixar films, um, and we're still deciding on next month. But to have a say in what our topics are, um, occasionally there's going to be polls, which are Patreon-exclusive too. So there's, there's loads of stuff that you can get for your contribution, and it also helps these free shows keep going as well. So if you if you like the content, then please consider supporting me on there, because it does take a lot of my time to um, put together and edit all these shows. And if you have any uh, problems getting the Patreon sorted out or you want some more information, then please contact us at unexplainableuk at mail.com or you can contact on weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com uh, there's like a contact form on there and also contact us on there just to say hi or if you have any suggestions or anything else uh, also on that website weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com there are links to buy merchandise weird tales merch there's links to donate do one-off donations to the show via paypal or coffee Uh, There's also the blog post for every episode on the website, uh, including this one. We have links to all the videos we play and all the information and all the media that we mention and all that stuff. And there are also links to our Facebook pages and Twitter pages. So uh, go on there. So uh, thanks for listening. Bye, 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 bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. like to welcome Professor Michio Kaku. All right, so listen, I, I know you're a futurist, but I want to start by having you take a look back and take a look back at what this moment met, uh, meant at a time when uh, the U.S. was in the midst of a Cold War. What did this mean in terms of uniting America and perhaps much of the world at the time? Well, it showed the commonality that we are humans. We love to explore. A new chapter was written in the history of the human race, but also as far as life on Earth is concerned, another chapter was written. You know, the dinosaurs Mm. did not have a space program. (laughs) The dinosaurs did not have Apollo 11. That's why there are no dinosaurs here today, but we do. So it marked a new chapter, not just in the history of Homo sapiens, but life on Earth itself. 
All right, let's talk about the, the original space race here and, and this event in particular, because this really did open up a, a whole new world in terms of space exploration and science experiments uh, taking place in orbit eventually many years later. Uh, certainly, there have been numerous other milestones in, in the space program. Does anything else come close to this in your mind? Uh, no, but just realize you mentioned the spinoffs that, that occurred. Remember the, the microchip? Uh, the microchip was actually a byproduct of the Apollo program. The Pentagon, the NASA, they needed to shrink computers into the tiny capsule. And they asked us physicists and technicians to devise the microchip. And so the wonders of today, where we have cell phones and iPads and iPhones, realize that part of that is a spinoff of the space program. You and I were talking a few moments ago about the technology that it took to get a man to the moon back then and, and what we have in the palm of our hands right now. That's right. Your cell phone has more computer power than all of NASA back in 1969. You see these old NASA videotapes? They had 64K processors <laughs> at, at Mission Control. You only find those in museums now. They're toys, basically. And we sent humans backed up by toys. I just, do you know what? I can't. I just can't imagine going to the moon. It's just one of them things that I'm just like, I couldn't imagine it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.